Welcome back to another episode of the Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions Podcast. I'm your host, Jason P. Woodbury. On Mama You Can Bet, her new album under her Jyoti alias, Georgia Ann Muldrow embraces her jazz roots. Born and raised in Los Angeles, her parents were immersed in the jazz world. Her father, Ronald, worked with Eddie Harris, and her mother, Ricky Byers Bexwith, worked with Pharaoh Saunders. And then there's the matter of her spiritual musical lineage. The Jyoti name was bestowed upon her by Alice Coltrane at her ashram. Alice Coltrane's work felt like music from her home planet, says Georgia. And on Mama You Can Bet, she expands what that planet might look like. It embraces her jazziest tendencies and features two Charles Mingus songs. But nonetheless, her varied tastes, from electronic to ambient to hip-hop, color and shade the new record. Georgia joined me via Skype to discuss the album, the lineage of West Coast jazz, and maintaining a long-running creative partnership and independent label with her husband, Dudley Perkins. Let's get into it. We'll speak more on the other side. Well, thanks for joining me here on the Transmissions Podcast, Georgia. It's a real pleasure to have you. It's great to be here. Thank you. Uh, I've been asking uh, my guests here on the show what it's like being an artist in 2020 to start most of my interviews. But while I was getting ready for this talk, I found an answer you had already provided. You You told NPR that it's like being in a wrestling match. And then I went over to Twitter and I saw that you had posted an image of Mr. T, uh, to kind of sum up, I guess, maybe 2020. Are you a pretty big wrestling fan in general? It depends, like, what the era is, you know? Yeah. you Do, do you like uh, classic, kind of like, uh, yeah, yeah, 70s, yeah. 70s, maybe 80s a little bit? Yeah, more 80s, 90s. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, Macho Man, Randy Savage, Ultimate Warrior. Man, yeah. Macho so Man. Mr. T, but. To me, like, Mr. T as a whole, he's a different level because, like, he's one of the first, like, superheroes, you know, like, street superhero kind of thing. Yeah. Like, really taking on that role and and how he called himself the people's security guard and he protect people of the neighborhood and really look out for the women and children. Yeah. Yeah. like seriously, you know what I mean? No matter how famous he got or whatever, he took his role, he took security very um, seriously. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like that is the kind of thing that we're going to need, hmm. you know, more superheroes in the world. Yeah. To, you know, people who take it, you know, more vigilantes, more vigilantes you know? Yeah. To, to, you know, so that if we do you know, fund the pol- defund the police and that we already have awesome people already here ready to, you know what I mean, um, do the right thing and make sure that that the weaker people, or the people who aren't as strong as others still get heard and protected. And that's why I like Mr. T a lot. Yeah. Because he was, he was majorly into that. Yeah. And he was really into also like... Um, you know, I don't know. It was like the the rest. He's like a pro wrestler that also was like a philosopher. Yeah. And and you know, and, and an alchemist. You know, with the, with all the chains that he wore, 
being because of we we got brought here. A lot of us were brought here. Not all of us, but many of us were brought here in chains, and he turned them to gold. Yeah, yeah. I love so the, I, I love the idea of Mr. T as an alchemist. But he is. Yeah. I mean, if you listen to how he explains everything he wears, that yeah. everything he does is all symbolism. Like his whole, like especially in his um. You know, back in the day, and I remember being a kid and being so inspired by him. And he had this um, video special called "Be Somebody," and I got it from the, you know, the 2020 reel. <laughs> I'm dating myself now, like I'm old. But like, you know, getting the VHS to go to the rental store that week, and it's like a highlight of your week because you get a chance to pick a video. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And the video I picked was be some was Mr. T, you know, be somebody. Yeah. And I remember just like loving the video. Like it gave me so much confidence, you know. And you know, um, how to deal with bullies, you know, how to deal with the self esteem. Yeah. <laughs> All of that stuff. How to pity a fool. Yeah. You know, I've never been a huge wrestling fan, but one thing I do love about it is how um, performative it is. And I don't just mean staged, but I mean, uh, you know, when you talk about Mr. T as sort of a character, in a way, he's um, he's doing something that all artists do, which is sort of creating himself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's why I liked him. That's yeah. why I like him so much, because it's like, you know, he, he talked about where he come from as being very difficult and hard and you know and you do have to create yourself you know you really do like in a world like this that tells you that you have little to no value you know um that, that articulates that to your consciousness in one way or another i think it's amazing when there's personalities no matter how you know shy or reserved they are people who you know, make it a point to create themselves. I love people like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, they give me they give me inspiration and they give me like hope. Well, not so much hope because hope is useless, but pretty much like they give me like something great to to, to remember. You know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, so you've got you've got a new album coming out, Mama. You can bet, and it's it's your third release under the project name. Uh, Joti, and I was wondering if you could tell me, and I don't know if this relates to Mr. T at all, but maybe it will. Um, <laughs> I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about, you know, uh, what you're doing when you employ that specific name. You release a lot of music, and you put it out under various, you know, sort of names. Um, mm -hmm. What what separates a, a, a Joti project from something you might release, say, under your own name, or you know, one of the other things that you've employed? Jyoti is the quote-unquote jazz records. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what it's reserved for. It's it's like, you know, the music that is closest to my heart, something that's exploring the idioms that are, you know, from my childhood, you know? And it's been the kind of music that's been able to explain me the best. Not just... Um, you know, me thinking about a song structure being, even though I'm not really no orthodox musician in, in the first place, but it even further, it gives me more freedom to 
to to improvise and to and to pay homage to all of you know the different rhythm the rhythmic patterns that come with 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 Black American music and um, you know like swing you know the drum sets and all that stuff. There's, if if you listen to the records, you'll be able to pick up on it. You yeah. know. Yeah. Your music, obviously, you dart around genre in a really interesting way. You know, there's electronic stuff, there's ambient-tinged cosmic music, there's hip-hop. You know, when you classify this as a jazz record, uh, I wonder, you know, your records have a through line. You can tell when it's something that you've made. But it seems to me like you have a pretty interesting relationship with the concept of genre, that you can sort of say, now I'm going to step into this mode. Does that sort of provides you almost like a creative framework for uh, for what it is that you that you want to do. Yeah, yeah, I think it's more it has more to do with headspace in, mm. in my in my personal journey. Uh, it has a lot more to do with what I'm thinking, where I'm at. Yeah, you know um, how I feel. You know that's going to make all the difference in the world whether I make a punk rock song or a jazz song. You know? Yeah, yeah, is how, how you feel about it's it. It's just that sometimes I just feel like the song, you know, it's hard to describe it, but the songs just come through, and then it's put upon me later to figure out where to put these things, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And that's where you get the Patty Bling stuff, and the GOT, you know, and yeah. the, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, and the Miss One, you know, the, the beat maker, you know? Yeah. All the the different things, you know, um, but I think it's it's less about just thinking I'm gonna do genre unless Dudley just puts a challenge up for me, which he does from time to time. Yeah. Like like uh it'll be like a situation where he'll be like, I want you to just completely do just a you know, a proto hip hop record. You know, here's a drum machine, go crazy, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, sometimes I'll do that. Like, there'll be a musical challenge that Dudley, he, something that he might enjoy to listen to. Sure. And I'll do it. And and thankfully, it'll work out, and it'll be called The Black House. And then, you know, I'll bring DJ Rome's, and then before you know it, it's like we're doing some 1982, you know, <laughs> kind of, yeah. kind of jam, like paying homage to that. But for me, it's just like, I love black music. Right. I love music, though. I, I just love music so much that I just, you know, it's just, it's the medium that gives me so much. It's a medium that provides me so many different realms. Like, music is very, it, it's more than just like a song coming on and off, you know? Right. It's like when I hear, when I hear music, I see a world. You know, yeah. it's like I see a whole world, it's like a little snow globe that I can walk inside of. Yeah. How, what kind of so, world? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. What no, kind, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> what kind of world do you think uh, this record uh, sort of, what What does this sort of world look like um, on this specific record? Do you have, is that something that you you consider and you and you ask yourself what you want sort of this to to look like or feel like when you're when you're before you start making a record. Well, with, with the Jeffo records, they they really do arrive unannounced, you know. Yeah. Like, and that's what makes them special in a way, because they really do arrive unannounced. It'll just be like a day where I'm like I'm feeling something else, 
and then something else and something else. And then before I know it, I have a whole collection of stuff that is ready. Yeah. You know, and then once it's ready, then it's like, okay, now you got to refine it. You got to make it, you know, what will this be? You know, but the catalyst for me to make this record, a lot of the catalyst was the, the Mingus show I did with Jason Moran because I had to come up with music. Yeah. You know, they was commissioning me things to write. So that was something that the the Kennedy Center had commissioned you to do. It was called was it Muldrow does Mingus? Is that is that what it Muldrow was? Muldrow meets Mingus. Meets Mingus. Yeah. So so uh, you know I, that was something that I wanted to, to ask you about because this record includes some some uh, it incorporates these these Mingus elements um, uh, on two different different songs. But you know I want to go back. Your parents were obviously you know big big you know uh jazz people and and uh yeah. you know uh we talked about uh i think you already alluded to growing up with that um all around uh your your mom uh sang with people like pharaoh saunders and then your your dad played with eddie harris so so was and they both wrote with them people you know like yeah. you know you know mom she you know she's written music Oh, and she yeah. still and still yeah, still has like a a really uh, thriving practice. You know, she's 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 got records and stuff out, which I I, yeah. I listen to that stuff, and and you've all you always sort of um, nod to her and sort of salute her. Absolutely. Her, yeah, uh, but I wondered was was Mingus somebody that you heard a lot growing up? And uh, yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What what else? What other kind of what what kind of I mean, because when you tell somebody like, "Hey, my my parents listen to a lot of jazz," you know, those, jazz is a pretty diverse field. So, what yeah, was the, diverse, yeah. What was the stuff yeah. that stuck with you, and 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 then we'll get into Mingus a little bit more in a sec. Well, well, I mean, for sure, my dad, what he liked was very, very, very clear, very distinct. What he liked, you know, he liked Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers, you know, hmm. Cannonball Adderley, Nat Adderley, yeah, you know. He loved Eddie Harris. Play Eddie Harris. Mingus, he loved Mingus. Yeah. He loved Coltrane. You know, he played Giant Steps every morning on his guitar. Yeah. You know, and like bebop speed, you know. And so I would hear that every morning. Um, he played a lot of Afro-Brazilian music as well. The names I have to look up, but there's a lot of Afro-Brazilian yeah. music that he really, really liked. And that was the first time I really heard. Well, my mom loved Afro-Brazilian music too, because she would play Djavan. But on my mom's side, it'd be more of a contemporary spin on it, mm -hmm. you know. So she would listen to Diane Reeves, you know, uh, Bobby McFerrin, yeah, um, Djavan, Milton Nascimento, you know, Wayne Shorter with Herbie Hancock, like Native Dancer. She she like a she like more of the fusion stuff, kind of like creative songwriting. Right. She just loved creative songwriting. Whereas my dad, like, he liked something that got a drive and tempo and it's swinging and folks is playing their heart out, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, he liked organ trio stuff, you know, all of that stuff. Um, he liked Gene Ammon stuff. He liked, who else he liked? Yeah, you know, like like Bobby Hutchinson. I think he liked a lot of that. Yeah. I think he liked, he liked uh, but not too much Eric Dolphy. Not too much Henry Threadgill and stuff like that. Like his the, the records he would throw away, I would get into. Like I remember he had this old 
um, Air Record, um, Henry Threadgill's trio. Yeah. With Steve McCall and um, who's the other brother on bass? Shit. I always forget his name. I know, and I but, feel bad because I, I, it would be such a boss move if I could say it, but I don't I don't know either. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to Google it. <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, um, you know, my first foray is in the, into like free jazz and stuff like that. Yeah. Was from the, the records my dad would throw away, like, one of, like, do you want this? Because this is junk. Like, this is stupid. <laughs> so, <laughs> it would be like a promotional copy of Air. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And Henry Threadgill, and, and I finally, when I heard from Henry Threadgill, I was like, "This what the game been missing, you know?" Yeah, I just love it. I love his harmonics, and then like learning more about Mingus and stuff. I I listen. I find Eric Dolph in the Bargain Bin and stuff. I find Sunra in the Bargain Bin yeah. just from the CD, just looking at it. Yeah, you know. Or or knowing that Mal Waldron's a side person on there, like I know Mal Waldron because yeah. he's worked with my daddy, you know, like certain things like that, you know what I mean? That'd be like, okay, you know what I mean? So it's like that's what kind of brought more things to life. But you know, I think um, my dad he liked Jackie McLean, yeah. you know, he like I think he liked early Miles, like Bebop Miles, he loved, but mm-hmm. I don't think he really liked the. F- Jazz fuck wild. He didn't yeah. like. He didn't like when it got as electric. Well, I think is when I think of it now, like as a kid, mm-hmm. I would have never known that he was jazz funk. Like he was a jazz funk innovator. I yeah. would have never known that. By sure. the way, he used to be like, "Oh my God, no more funk." Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. He he just didn't leave with that. By that time, he was really into straight ahead organ trios with the with you know with his guitar and real intimate things that swing you know oh and i can't forget west montgomery he loved oh my god that that's he was his design his disciple yeah you know west montgomery is that guy for him you know well that's that's such a that's such a wide variety of stuff for you to have grown up with and to have heard all of that stuff and absorbed it and you know then gone off on your own and found you know more free free jazz stuff more experimental stuff um, yeah. I think you can kind of hear little elements of all of that in these records. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, you know, it's like what I say a lot is that, you know, that aesthetic of the organ trio, you know, that feeling, you know, that is home. That's mm-hmm. like mashed potatoes. And, and, you know, that's the meat and potatoes of my life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've been there in watching those, you know what I'm saying? Because my dad wasn't didn't have no babysitter and that's why we was at the gig. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> yeah. So like hearing it, hearing the rotary, you know, and hearing the, the rotary and also the vibraphones, you know, my uncle Onaji, my uncle Corky, you know, Miller Purton. Yeah. You know, these are people, you know, who are you know, I mean, seriously, these are the people who have shaped my sound when I approach this music. Yeah. It's from not just listening to the records, it's being immersed in the sound field and the way it makes me feel. And now I'm just realizing that I think the reason why my dad started going to a more straight ahead style because it reminded him of home. Yeah. And of a of a simpler time. Yeah. You know, in Chicago. Yeah. You know? Um and this was all this was all grown up in in LA, right? Yes. Um, yeah, just so that listeners understand, you you were 
you know, the L.A. jazz scene over the last decade, uh, you know, or maybe a little bit more than the last decade, but really for a while it's been just like, it, it, it's roared back into people's consciousness, this idea of jazz on the West Coast. But, you know, it, it wasn't always thought of as, you know, as highly as it is now. And so it's amazing. No, to, um, not at all. Yeah, but yeah. I, I think it was as a result of, you know, uh, uh, corporate yeah. mentality. Sure. That doesn't really hold a lot of water. It doesn't hold as much water as it does on the West Coast as it does on the East Coast. Yeah, yeah. If you're playing jazz and you on the West, it's like it's, you gotta love it. It's like <laughs> you're not doing it. You have got to love it. If yeah. You're playing it and you playing what you want to and you're figuring it out. You're figuring it out and you you know and you're playing like because I think L. A. You know. I think some of the baddest jazz musicians, I think I think this is all over though, all over the country. Some baddest, you know, soul musicians, the session musicians on a lot of classic records, um, are jazz musicians. Yeah. Who are making a living playing session work, you know? Right. So right. we have a lot of people who are playing session work out here so that when they playing the so called jazz stuff, you know, they playing what they want to. Sure, they're they're able to 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 do their thing and not just be showing up on somebody's record, you know, to make a a paycheck, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that there's a lot of that, you know, on somebody's record, like the session work, but yeah, like if you playing live, it's like you know, you know, you doing this because you love this, and you doing this because you want to to keep something alive. Sure. And it was more. I, I see it. I see it as more of a cultural. It has more of a cultural significant in the people that I know yeah. on the West Coast. You know, and the people who have come up with my dad. To, you know, come up under him. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. A lot of the people that we know now, for you know, who are bringing the West Coast sound back, are people who you know work with my dad. You know, like all this kind of stuff. So I think that it had just there was a more cultural thing, like something getting shared. Yeah. Amongst, you know, the elders to the youth and stuff like that, you know, in a very Afrocentric setting. Yeah. You know, so, very Afrocentric setting, whereas maybe my experience on the East Coast is that every setting wasn't, you know, it had to be really special to be Afrocentric, you know, like something really rare. Right. And right. Maybe, and maybe perhaps maybe more formal. Well, no, I don't want to say formal versus Afrocentric because I feel like. Um, just something more um, Eurocentric. Sure, sure. Yeah, and and there's you know because you have Blue Note out there. Yeah. You know have. You know you have certain really big companies out there that are com that are accompanied by spaces that are corporately sponsored. Yeah. And I don't know if I said that right. Sure. <laughs> but sponsored by corporations, you know. So it's like, you know, it's like they only want one side of Coltrane. They don't want all of the sides of him. You know, they want one side of Monk. They, they want one side of Mingus. They, they don't want to hear yeah. these. Yeah, they don't want to hear these people uh, taking off for outer space the way Coltrane eventually did. You know, that, that was... Uh, there was a lot of uh, dismissal of that stuff. You know, I, I, I even grew yeah. up hearing all that stuff. When I started to learn more about jazz, you know, people would say, you don't need any Coltrane after this point or whatever, you know? And it was like, when I... Loaded. 
Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, when, and when I eventually, you know, you realize, oh my god, you know, Sunship or something like that, you know. Yeah, just like I love that record. Just mind blowing, and you know that actually leads to Alice Coltrane, who, like, you know, when I first started collecting records, uh, I wasn't collecting jazz records twenty years ago, but eventually I started collecting jazz records, you know. So it's closer to yeah. twenty years than not, but. I even remember hearing Alice Coltrane, um, who has become this revered icon. Um, I remember hearing her stuff dismissed, you know, as... Uh, oh, absolutely. As, oh, absolutely. You know, like, my dad couldn't stand it. You know what I mean? My dad would... Oh, my God, he couldn't stand it. <laughs> Did he think it was new agey or a little bit like... Was it too... Uh, was it too amorphous for him? Do you know what it was that, that caused... Not necessarily, I don't want to just focus on your dad's dislike, but I mean, uh, it didn't fit easily into any boxes, the music she was making. You know, I think the deal is my dad just, you know, there's certain people, right, that have their philosophy about, you know, what this music can do. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they have this, 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 like this kind of perception where they don't want it to be diluted into anything else. Right. They want it to be, they want it to stay so-called pure. Right. But you know, my argument is how pure is it? If everybody's recycling ideas all the time, you know, and, and me, my, me and my dad had this debate. I had this debate with him as a child. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Like you got to know that. Like we, we bumped heads in more ways than one. <laughs> and the kind of music we was checking out, we would, bump head like yeah. you know like and he get in get on like you know can't stand Archie Shep you know right you know he can't play he can't play no changes you know <laughs> he can't play nothing he can't, I heard him I heard him he yeah he wasn't playing nothing right and you know and, and the deal is is like is your ability to outline a chord is that what makes you special right you know, and that was my question was like, well, what if he was playing something that wasn't out? Maybe he's playing another harmonic that you have to have the patience to be able to roll to see where the story goes. If you never see where the story goes, then how can you say that somebody ain't playing the shit? You know, that's right. the way I feel. But one thing I have to say is that he loved the blues so much. My dad loved the blues. Yeah. So I think that he liked his jazz to be bluesy. He liked people who do, who recognize that and elevate it yeah. and use it, you know, building on top of that. Well, so a lot of hard bop shit, he liked that, you know? Yeah. And and for me, like, you know, like, that's where I got exposed to all, like, field holler, field recordings yeah. of, you know, inmates in prison who are, you know, essentially slaves, you know what I'm saying? Essentially enslaved due to the 13th Amendment, right? right. And you talking about early like you know early field recordings of folks at the angola prison right you know early use early recordings of the blues you know blind lemon you know all of that stuff right and um that really i really like that sure so i that off i mean i think that you can hear obviously the chordal and the sort of uh structural connection between it sounds like the kind of jazz that you're talking about and that stuff. But then there's also that element of, uh, of soul and that element of expression, you know? Um, 
and that's something that I think you hear so much in the free music as well in terms yeah. of like so Absolutely. so it feels like both you know like the like you know obviously it's all connected and when I think about the west coast jazz thing right now let's say some of the stuff that's happening on brain feeder which you've released records on um some of these various people who a lot of yeah. them who have been session players but there's a lot of blending and melding you know there's a lot of uh there's a lot of borrowing there's stuff people you know people taking stuff from frog rock you know people taking stuff from fusion people taking stuff from uh spiritual jazz it feels like right now there's this remarkable thing happening and you're a big part of that in terms of this kind of cross generational cross genre conversation and really that's maybe what jazz at its core sort of is you know what i mean it's a synthesis in so many ways and I find that just really remarkable. And I and and so I guess before we leave the topic of, of Alice Coltrane who came up, the the name Jyoti, that, that came from her, right? She she kinda of bestowed that on you? Yeah, yeah. I mean long story short, my aunt brought a long story short, <laughs> I meet Dudley, I tell my mom, the night I meet Dudley, get ready to know him a very long time. Yeah. Dudley, you know, you're, 16 years later, yeah, we're still strong. That's beautiful. <laughs> and uh, still best friends. And but uh, but I think my mom was like, okay. And I guess off of impulse or instinct, she the, the next morning we was in her car going up to the ashram. <laughs> okay, right. Which which sadly uh, burned a couple of years ago, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's terrible. But so you got to go to the ashram. With your mom, and uh, what was the purpose of the no, trip? No, and Dudley. And oh, Dudley. and Dudley. This is our sec. This is our second day knowing each other. You know, <laughs> this is our second day of knowing each other forever. Yeah, that's beautiful. So, mom runs us up to to the ashram, and I think that she wanted my aunt Ryder to put an eye on him and put an eye on me to see if I'm just not ain't completely lost my mind. Yeah, because I had been known to do that. Sure. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, and and that was the time when, when my Aunt Rada said, it's time for you to go get a name. So I just did what she told me to do, because if I told her no, I don't think that that was no. Right. There was no no. Right. <laughs> but, but, I mean, long story short, you know what I'm saying? Like, I have had many experiences in in that woman's force field, and I've never forgot any of them. And her voice field saved my life. And her playing on that organ saved my life. Yeah. You know, just the kind of where she was coming from. I heard everything she was playing. And when you hear somebody that I always say is like, it's just, it's like hearing music from your home planet. Yeah. And every time I hear her play, even now, it's just like, sometimes, um, I feel I have the hardest time explaining my feelings. Sure. Unless I'm writing music. Right. You know? Because then I get a chance to translate something. But I feel like if there was anybody who found, like, the language for how I feel inside, it would have been her. You know? Just the way that she brings the blues in this other scale, and yeah. this other scale, and this other scale, but then she rips through with her 
intensity and velocity and weight. Oh, there's so many different dynamics going on, you know? Right. Like, you know, it's more than just an X, Y axis of things. She got way more than that, you know? Yeah. It's a straight up world of its own, her her playing, her soloing. Not even her writing, but like, but then I just love how much she loved the blues too, you know? I love that. I love how she was never too good for the blues. She always brought it into her devotional music. And I really felt that. I felt like that's so dope that she could bring it on home, take it this far, and then bring it home up here, you know? So I, I, she is, she's all that in the bag of chips, you know? And um, as a matter of fact, Lakeisha Benjamin has a record out right now called Pursuance the Coltrane's where she's paying homage to both John and Alice Coltrane, which I think is really worth a listen. Yeah. It's really a great it's really a great work. Well, you know, she... and um, you know, I bring her up because she has everything to do with co signing like my new discoveries that I would find of her work. Yeah. You know, and I would play it. And I'd be like, yo, yo, can you listen to this? Yeah. And she'd be like, What what is that? you know? So it's like uh, yeah, you know, I think she's done some beautiful arrangements of her work. And uh, yeah, it's worth checking out. All right, let's take a minute now to hear about our sponsor. Creators, are you tired of being paid in clicks and likes? Social media and streaming platforms might help people find your work, but they don't always get you paid. With Patreon, you can stop rolling the dice of ad revenue and per-stream payouts and grow your creative career through the direct support of the people who care most, your fans. Since Patreon is built for creators, not advertisers, you can skip the middleman and develop a sustainable income source by offering a monthly membership to your fans. In turn, they'll get access to exclusive community, premium content, and the chance to become active participants in the work they love. The creative system is broken, so if you're a podcaster, video maker, musician, writer, illustrator, a creative person of any kind, sign up on Patreon.com now. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and change the way your creativity is valued by building the steady income stream you deserve. All right, let's get back to transmissions. So, so you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, Lakeisha's on, on your new record, um, yep. got her playing on, on Raw's noise is really sublime. What a, what a, yeah. really, what a, what a gorgeous, like, I mean, just the sound of the sound of her sax and she's played with everybody, you know, Rashid Ali, Missy Elliott, James Blood, Ulmer, all these different people. Um, just all the goats, like all of them. Yeah, how did she end up on the record? How did I mean? Had you have you guys known each other a while? And you uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes and yes. Yeah, that that is someone I met when I first came to New York, and we was in school. We was at the new school. Yeah, and that was just my homie. It's just like there was something about it that was so real. Yeah, and 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 so like honest. Her honesty made me interested in, interested in her. Yeah. And her, like, just her realness, you know what I mean? It just was like, yeah, 
Yeah, I feel like that sometimes too, but I just don't say it. Yeah. She be having the nerve to say how I feel. Yeah. And that'd be kind of cool. And then I think the other thing is that we learn how to to hold our own. Yeah. You know, in in you know on the the bandstand and figuring out ways to get up there right. as as little little black girls. Right. Right. Well, her her playing is incredible on this record, and uh, it sounds really. It sounds like the connection that you have to, to what she's doing goes a lot deeper than just, I need someone to play sax on my record. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no. It was like, it, like I think this was the first time I ever had no guests on my on the jazz stuff, you know? Yeah, you usually and work with I feel with like a, it was only right to have Keisha there. You, you usually because, work with a lot of a lot of other vocalists, too, but it's it's just you on this one, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like 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 with even with with none with none of the other jazz records that I've done the Jyoti records, um, um, ain't ain't really been no vocal records, right? You know, maybe it'd be a ooh and a ah somewhere, sure. Like, every sure. now and again, not really though. Yeah, maybe one song is a ooh and a ah, but um, but this one it was like it was time because I feel like I'm making a switch. I'm switching gears. Like especially with my live performance, what it's requiring out of me, yeah. What I want to do with live performance, you know, or what I had, you know, who knows when it's come when that's coming back anymore. Sure, but sure, yeah. <laughs> but 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 definitely what I had found up to the last gig that I played was that this is the right home for me now. This is the right way. Does you it, know I want to do? I want to do this music live. I don't really want to just be a repeater singing, you know, my greatest hits all the time. I want to make new music on stage. Yeah. And so it it was really, really fitting to be able to sing more of, of the the record. Did did the the Muldrow meets Mingus project did that influence you know where you wanted to take this particular project? Um, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Without it. Yeah. Absolutely. In so many different ways. In so many different ways. I mean, just from from Jason, you know, having the faith in me, and the interest, and the belief, and the advocacy. Yeah. You know, it was like through the roof. I like nobody had reached like like yo, write some music. You know, like, just through the roof, man. Yeah. Through the roof, man. And we talked about, like, what we wanted to do. And and, and it's like, we did it. And, and it was like, I remember feeling like this is, this is so perfect. This is the right thing. This is the right thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is, this is the right feeling. This is it. To be able to, to scat on stage, you know, really really make some music on stage and hear some da 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 you know? Yeah, like, yeah. That's, that's my home base. Yeah. Really. It really is my home base. It makes me feel love when I hear that. When I hear that, it just makes me feel safe. One you know? Of, yeah. It, feels, it makes me feel safe to sing whatever I want to sing. Some of these lyrics uh, are are very powerful and very, I mean, the poetic sort of simplicity of what you're saying on this record is really moving, but 
I find that it sounds like you, I mean, you're saying so much, but you're using, you're, you're being very economical, you know, and everything makes me think a little bit more about, well, I guess I'll bring up to so the song, the walk, you know, is really, it's yeah. really incredible. And you included some, you. some notes with that one. And you talked about how it was inspired in part by how, you know, violence, I think I'll, I'll direct quote you. You said violence can both ignite and snuff out a voice. Um, yeah. Which prompted OK Player to call it, you know, resonant and timely. And and I thought a lot about that because obviously right now we're going through this thing. It didn't just start, that's for sure. It's been happening for as long as America's existed. But there's this conversation that's happening about, you know, uh, inequality, about about who's free, about who's not free in so many different mm -hmm. ways, you know. But when I listen to that song, The Walk, it also sounds like you're talking very personally about something. It sounds to me like you're sort of talking not so much about events outside, but rather how internally you have to figure out and sort through those events. Do you feel like I'm on the, the sort of the right, the right path with that? And, you know, does music end up providing you a space to figure that stuff out on a personal level? And then, you know, and then take that to people. It, it doesn't sound like a traditional protest song, is I guess what I'm trying to say. But I think that right now we need new kinds of protest songs. And it sort of feels like it could be in that lineage, you know. Um, I just threw a bunch of words out. I'm sorry for just like piling it on. Oh, that's fine. I mean, I, 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 you know, I, I think to answer the first question is, you know, because I'm black, yeah. you know, it is personal for me, something that could be seen uh, object objectively by, you know, an another person's life journey, right? You know, because being here, being black here, you know, being black at this point in time on this planet in the diaspora, you know, um, it's it's been such a gaslit, you know, path. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, you know, you have to act as if it's not going on just to you know, just to survive, just not to, make to survive, but to be able to talk to other people. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, to talk to other people, you know, without them thinking that you're just, you know, you know, a stereotype, even though every, we all feel this. Every yeah. black person in this country feels that. Yeah. Whether they want to admit it to you, whether they feel comfortable with admitting it to you or not, you know what I'm saying? So that's why it's, it's personal. Yeah. But I think, you know, with violence, nothing out of voice or igniting it, I mean, violence can kill you. Yeah. You know, it can slit your throat. Mm -hmm. And if it don't, then you're going to raise your voice about it till it do, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, with it being a protest song, you know, that was just purely timing, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just be feeling stuff, you know? I always, it's like, I can't even explain it. Black people mean a lot to me. Yeah. You know, people people mean a lot to me. You know, which makes black people mean a lot to me because yeah. yeah. There's so much we're so beautiful. So innovative and so underloved. Yeah. You know, and so overworked. And yeah. that's what I was coming from. Yeah. You know, and then when all of this happened, like it was this is here but like my thing is in my life Everything I do is for the is, is to contribute to black art. Everything yeah. I do, you, you know, 
Yeah. It's not no, it, it don't have to be no protest happening. Right. For me to know that there's something going on that ain't right. And and it, it because there's so much that's been swept under the rug and not addressed in a very legitimate way, in a in a very real way, minus all the symbolic and all of the you know, we care for you, you know, kind of things that are almost like, you know, an abuser giving you flowers after they whoop your ass, you know? Right. Like Yeah. Yeah. So it's like it's kinda like this song is saying that I you know, I don't I don't know. You yeah. know? I have a lot of songs, you know, recently just sharing about where I'm at, you know, about wanting to grow and evolve as a person, not to be like, you know, wanting to be a better listener. Yeah. And wanting to, and wanting to like evolve as a person, you know, and, and not let, you know, the violence that is articulated upon my people stop me from evolving as a woman, as a, as, as a being of light. Yeah. Of sound of possibility and potential and of melanin, you know? Yeah. Like, more than just a woman, just, like, more than that. More than man, women, more than that, you yeah. know? Yeah. A being of light that has, that, that without fail, as a group, inspires the planet. Yeah. Through its great pains, you yeah. know? I mean, it's like, yeah, that has got to make you think sometimes. Well, yeah, and, you know, we started off by talking about superheroes, you know. We started out by talking yeah. about, you know, and I think that what you're talking about maybe is that art opens up this space where we can create a a complex portrait of somebody or of something or of a feeling, you know. It, art, sure. It, I mean, yeah, sure. I think that last question you had, too, was like, you know, if it wasn't for music, I don't think I'd be able to name any of the feelings I had. Sure. You know? Sure. And Jilty, this record, a lot of these, a lot of this is on the real is personal growth exercises, trying to translate these musical ideas and in, back into my words. So I even know what's going on in here. Yeah, right. You know? On Twitter, there was an interchange where... I think it was Moses Sumney who, who who tweeted something about how basically about how it feels weird right now trying to promote someone's record or talk about the yeah. things you're making because it feels like there's so many conversations going on and you you quote tweeted him and basically said that you know like now is the exact time to talk about how complex we can be or what our you know because yeah. artists art is this I mean, I feel like Moses is like he's wonder I mean you know I I would never want a brother that power packed that I mean incredibly innovative and resourceful yeah like somebody that resourceful yeah and that innovative and that powerful and that black to feel like they're not supposed to be that they don't have a place yeah that didn't sit right with me you that, know I, I, I'm like no nah, man not you not you yeah you know you always I feel like he's another kind of person that's always searching his soul for what's happening, even if he shows it to you in a trickster kind of way, like he's still searching himself for everything he is yeah. in order to live a happier life. 
and to live a realer and more authentic life. And, and, you know, and like, you know, no, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, share, share your stuff, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh my well, God. And the Moses fact, is, he's such a force in nature. Like, oh, like, I couldn't believe it. I think about how the intensity of the moment could make someone feel like their art is not as significant as it could be. You know, I understand maybe that, but but right now we need to recognize, I mean, I don't want to make sweeping statements. I think right now it's very helpful to recognize that art is where we can maybe express things clearest, you know? And it feels to me like that's what a lot of this record is about, you know? Uh, a lot of your record is that you have the opportunity to explore and unpack and it's a space where things can mean contradictory things all at once you know and and that's really incredible i think that having that sort of space there's this big conversation that's happening in our country right now about you know what is allowed to be said and what's not allowed to be said and all this kind of weird stuff but to me it feels like when i listen to your records when i listen to this record i hear someone who's saying everything that they want to say um, the way that they want to say it. Is that a fair way to put it? I appreciate you. I mean, yeah, I mean, if I don't have that, then what's the point? Like, well, ex you know, exactly. I, I feel like, you know, I feel like, you know, Dudley and I, you know, we made that decision a long time ago, you know, to, to do that. Yeah. And, you know, and to always stay true to that because somehow that's going to, it's, it's important Yeah. that we, document the authenticity of how we feel you know what i mean and, and press it up in the vinyl as an artifact of some kind yeah we've been yeah. very very serious about that the archival side and the and the honest side and i mean because if everybody's doing it everybody can't be doing it for the same things or we won't hear anything but the, like a homogenized this is what happened in yeah exactly the 2020s and this was all the rage and <laughs> Yeah, and if nobody says what they want to say, then how we know what's on the people's minds in the arts, That's you know? Right. And so, I mean, I I've been very inspired by courageous artists. I mean, those are the kind of people who inspire me. Like that's a, that's what inspires me about artists. Yeah, their level of courage. Yeah, you know. So it's like you know, the Afrocobra painters. You know what I mean? All of that, you know what I'm saying? The Black Arts Movement, from all that stuff, you know, the Black Jazz Catalog, you know, all that stuff, man. All like, I don't know, like Nina Simone, man. Like, those are the people that like, got this certain amount of courage to be like, fuck that. Eugene McDaniels, you know what I mean? There's people at Buffy St. Marie, you know? Yeah. There's people out here that's like, yo, I feel something, and I'm going to sing exactly what's happening you know what i mean like yeah yeah and if and if it's, if we don't have that then where will the truth where you know yeah where we'll are we gonna everybody it'll be the same it'll be the same material yeah. that has been given a record deal since the 1920s right. which is about i'm leaving my man at home going to the club and find another one right or my girl don't know i'm uh, stepping out Right. This has been the same stuff that's been selling on the airways, you know, the same things that white corporations been wanting to propagate about our people, about our culture, that this is what we do. And even if it's an urban sound and it's a white person singing, they singing about it. Right. Right. 
Right. And I feel like that is not all we are. That is not all we do. Sure. It's there. Yeah. Of course it's there. We're human beings. It's there in every culture. But it should be like, you know, like when you think about as an American thinking about, you know, traditional, you know, South South Asian music, you know? Right. They're not thinking they're not you you're the first thing coming to mind ain't philandering. Right. You know? <laughs> thinking like, oh, I'm prayed up, oh you know, I'm meditating. I'm in my spiritual awareness, right? Yeah, yeah. But when you think about like if you're thinking about classical music, the first thing that comes to your mind ain't gonna be like, Oh, Mozart was playing. Right. No. Right. We're gonna say Mozart was a genius, you know what I mean? He was accessing higher parts of his brain to improvise, you know, even yeah. though yeah. He was completely biting somebody else's stuff. Right. <laughs> black, right? right? And who set the whole tone for the Baroque era, right? right? So it's like, th- th- I think that's what I'm saying is that if nobody speaks their mind, if nobody do it, then it's like the thing that you're going to think is when you sing the blues, it's about getting drunk and feeling low. Or we just turn and we don't give a fuck. Right. Whereas if you go back and you listen to that music, you can hear people reaching for transcendence you can hear people reaching for illumination you can hear and that's and that's in everything like that's like that's in all the music you know and so i i mean obviously there's no getting around the fact that the the the, the music industry has you know tried to commodify you know everything or narrow things down so because it's easier to sell things when you can say this is just what it is you know Absolutely. I mean, you know, I mean, I guess, but you know, I mean, it's like we have the experience of being for sale. Yeah. You know? Jesus, yeah. So it's like, I don't have no time for that. You know, like, I don't have, I feel like in order to honor my ancestors, I need not to entertain that. And I just stay focused on what they have me say. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you've, you've, I mean, cut your own path, you know, you, you talked about the importance of vinyl, you know, to you and Dudley to create this physical thing that exists and that you have and that you can show people, this is what I made, you know, and you've done so much of that stuff, you know, on small independent labels, people who are doing it, you know, to get back to that West Coast jazz thing, who are doing it for love, who are doing it because they want these things to exist in the world. Who, who are doing it because they want dynamic expression for to be allowed, you know, and, and multi-layered expression. Um, I think this new record, this new record, it feels like it speaks a lot to that idea of, um, of music as a continuum. And, you know, I think that, you know, one of your comments... Are, you, you reference the idea of ancestors very often, and it feels like that's important to you to sort of honor not just your immediate your immediate family, which obviously you do, but to sort of honor this idea of black music as this wide spectrum that's open to express anything that you think a person should express, you know. And that's that's exa- I mean, to me, that's exactly what it is. If right. it wasn't that, then it would then it, that would be something else. That wouldn't be black music, right? You know. Yeah. I mean, it's been wide enough, right? Yeah. To be stolen and called something else a thousand times. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. It's like it's it's it it's because of its wideness. It's because of its originality. Yeah. And and 
all of these things that make a whole group of people just want to be like, you did not make this. Yeah. <laughs> I love it too much. Yeah. You did not make this. You did not invent punk rock. Yeah. This is calling to my soul. When every indicator of how the music is going yeah. tells you that it's from black people. Yeah. And to me, Whether it's... it be the tempo. Yeah. The church pattern that's happening. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. All of it, like you know, what I mean, like the church drum pattern that's happening in punk music, yeah, the screams that's happening that come from church, like all of that, like Pentecostal music is punk. It's like it's the same, you know. It, it's oh, liberated yeah. gospel. You know what I'm saying? It's somebody like punk in its orthodox format is preaching. Yeah, you know? no, you're you're saying that <laughs> you're preaching your rebellion. You're preaching that you the shit that you don't buy it. When you hear, you know what I mean? yeah, and that, and that there's there's something different that's ha- you're different. Yeah, you know, you don't care. You yeah. know, so so it's like to me, it's like it. Black music is expansive, yeah. and and for me, it's like all the things that you see in me doing are accommodated to me through the ancestors that have brought these forms of music. Yeah, to this planet. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I get a chance to draw upon it. You know what I'm saying? Like Africa's a beautiful resource, you know, as well. You know what I mean? Like just, I I love seeing food ways from Africa throughout the world. I love seeing music ways yeah. from different parts of Africa throughout the world. Like, I I'm interested in that, you know, because I am part of the people ways, you know, and I'm looking for myself. Yeah, I'm searching to figure out. All the things that I think that are missing that really ain't missing, the more I look into it, that no, I'm African. This is a very African thing I'm a part of. That's right. You know, so so I think that it's just because I love black music so much and I love black people so much is the reason why my music sound this way. Yeah, I want to celebrate as much of it as I can. Well, we touched on the importance of of the name of this project. Um, But to finish up, I want to ask you, it feels like proper names are really important to your work. You include them in a lot of song titles. You know, on this album, there's tons of names. Zane. uh, I mean, I don't know if Mercedes and Duke are people, but those are names, you know. Yeah, no, Uh, Zane, that's my grandbaby. Yeah. And yeah. then, and then you say, "Is, is Anejo? Is that is that also is that a name or is that?" Oh yeah, that's a town in Benin. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, it, yeah. I, I guess when we talk about names, though, you know, let's say Zane or, or you know, or Mercedes. Kitty cool, kitty cool swing, and Mercedes. Yeah. yeah. Is there a is there sort of a significance in assigning? people's names to songs for you? Does it tie into that idea of people ways and sort of like a way to connect the web of, of people that you know and that you care about to bring them into the music? Well, absolutely. And it's, it's my way of telling them I love them. Like I make, you know, it, it's really important to, that I, you know, that we make songs for our kids. You know, Deli and I, it's like a joint effort that we make sure that, yeah. Everybody has a song, you know, and you know, and some of the songs are taking longer to write than others, but definitely, you know, when I 
something inspires me and the song comes out. You know, I write songs for my family. Like the name of the record is called Mama, You Can Bet. You know? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It's, it is, I, you know, a lot of my records be about family because I love family. You know, I mean, I love my little, you know, my little family unit. I love it. You know what I'm saying? And, um, but I think, you know, whenever I'm talking about one person, I, what I like about that, or, or whatever the, 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 whoever I'm naming the song after, it's like, it's the qualities too that's within them yeah. that I love too. Yeah. You know? It's a way to, to say, hey, I, 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 I like these qualities about you. you yeah. Know? Yeah. And the music kind of flows from that. Yeah. Like, and the, and the music explain, helps me to explain it. Yeah. You know? Well, Georgia, thank you so much. I'm the type of person to be like, I love you so much. I love you. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be like, yeah, you love me. Thank you. <laughs> but the song would be like, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like how you would sketch a picture of a person. And it's something that they'll always have, you know? Yeah. Something that they can come, they can come back to. Yeah. Well, Georgia, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me about all this. It's really been my pleasure, and I, I appreciate it so much. Oh, I appreciate you, you know, listening to the record and, and finding things you liked about it. And I appreciate that, you know, and um, thank you for wanting to ask anything about it. Yeah, well, it's my pleasure, and uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to speak again. Uh, I really enjoyed it. All right. Thanks a lot, Jason. Thanks so much. Have a great day. You too. Georgia Ann Muldrow here on Transmissions. Want to thank her for such a great conversation. Her new album, Under the Josie Banner, Mama You Can Bet, is available wherever you get music August 28th. That's going to do it for this week. Thanks to Andrew Horton, who edited this week's episode. If you want to hear more from AD, tune into the Aquarium Drunkard Show on Sirius XMU, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, channel 35, via satellite all-time great radio programming from our founder justin gage we're on social media so you can find us over there but if you really dig what we do simply help us out by spreading the word share our podcasts features interviews mixtapes etc and if you want to take your support a step further head over to patreon and look us up we appreciate it one more thing before i split on August 29th, get to your favorite independent record store so you can get your hands on a copy of our vinyl release with Org Music, The Lanyap Sessions, Volume 2. Features 13 performances from your favorite artists covering songs they're inspired by on beautiful, clear vinyl. Here's a word from Org before we head out. We'll be back next week with another strange talk for these strange days. Stay safe. Introducing Lanyap Sessions Volume 2 from Aquarium Drunkard and Org Music. 13 of your favorite artists covering hit songs all in one place pressed on high quality clear vinyl. Available exclusively for Record Store Day 2020, Lanyap Sessions Volume 2 features such tracks as Can't Hardly Wait in the style of Michael Crowley. Bony Vare's Blood Bank, 
by the mountain goats. And Napeyes playing Lucinda Williams' classic, Too Cool to Be Forgotten. You can't get Langy Obsessions Volume 2 just anywhere. Beginning August 29th, this incredible vinyl compilation will only be available at independent record stores participating in Record Store Day 2020. Head to www.recordstoreday.com to find a store near you. That's www.recordstoreday.com. Don't miss your chance to own this collection of hits featuring Kevin Morby, Damian Gerardo, Aaron Ray, Mountain Man, and many more. 